For the next few weeks, Pastor Scott and I will be sharing from the book of Proverbs. Um, We're just finishing up our series, our legacy series. If you remember, we studied together the book of 1 Timothy. And I don't know about you, but I was really challenged over the course of that series to really reflect about um, just the, the, the life that I was living, um, to reflect on where I was given my time and my treasure and my talents toward. And so um, Pastor Scott and I, over the next three weeks, are going to talk about those three things, um, using the book of Proverbs uh, to sort of guide us. We're going to talk about this morning, what does it mean to offer God our time? And to think about our time as really an unreplenishable resource. I want to start um, by sharing a a story from a lady who worked with people who were dying. I think it's called a palliative nurse. Does that sound right? Um, She worked with uh, hundreds of patients. And over the course of many years, noticed that at the end of their lives people had a number of regrets. They would sit and they would speak with her and they would share that parts of them were left unfulfilled. And she came and wrote a book out of this um, called Five Regrets of People Who Are Dying. And I want to share with you this morning what the number one regret of people that were dying is. But before I do that, I want to tell you another story about this teacher. His name was Zeusia. And I think I've shared this story before at the river, but I love it so much that I want to share it again this morning. Because Zeusia was a very committed rabbi and teacher. He loved the book of the law. He loved the Torah. He believed that the Bible was God's voice to him. And over and over, he made it his prayer, God, make me like Moses. Moses was, you know, this Old Testament teacher, and this rabbi, Zeusia, wanted to be like Moses. And one day, he has sort of this dream. And in this dream, he's standing before God, and he's saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do in order to be more like Moses? What is it that you want me to do so that I can I can fulfill your calling on my life. And God said to him, Zisia, I didn't create you to be like Moses. I created you to be Zisia. Only you can fulfill that calling. Only you can be Zisia. The number one regret of people, according uh, to this author who wrote the book, The Five Regrets of Those Who Are Dying, the number one regret was that people didn't step, I'm going to use my language, they didn't step into their calling. They didn't fulfill the thing that they were put on this planet to do. They didn't live and step with the Spirit. They didn't follow. People over and over shared that they wished they'd had more courage to live into God's plan for their life. They wished they'd had more courage to follow 
the things that God was calling them to do. How many of you this morning can relate a little bit to that? I know there are many times and many things in my life that I, I look at and I, I think to myself, boy, Nick, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure that in that moment you were surrendered to the master. And here's the big idea for us this morning. I believe this with, with everything in me. And it's a little bit cheesy, but bear with me. It, it's our big idea this morning, and that's this, that if we want to master our time, we've got to turn back time to the master. If we want to make the most of our lives, we have to submit our time to the maker. Now, there's a couple things that I think prevent us from doing this. And, and this morning, I want to just read this proverb with you. If you have your Bible, this would be a neat one for you to underline. And there's actually a few of them that are really powerful in Proverbs 16. But in Proverbs 16:3, it says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord Whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. I was thinking a little bit about this this week, and I thought, well, hold on a second. What does this mean exactly? If, if Darth Vader had committed his plans for the Death Star to the Lord, would that have been like, would God have blessed his plan? Do you remember what the Death Star was about, right? Star Wars people? Yeah, thank you. Uh, the Death Star is about destroying planets. It's about um, harnessing the energy of, I think, maybe the sun into a giant laser that would destroy planets. And some of you are like, why are we talking about Star Wars in church? Well, I just want to really... <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Really put this problem into question if Vader had submitted his plans for the Death Star to the Lord, would they have succeeded? I don't think that's what the proverb is talking about here. The writer wants to call us to a life where even before we think of the Death Star, we're submitting ourselves to God. Commit your life to the Lord. Your first thought before we, what we can get into the habit of is asking God to sort of bless the plans that we've already made. But he's saying, no, I wrote the blueprint. I have the plan. And when you align your life to that plan, nothing can stand against it. There's a few things, though, that I think um, get in the way of this in my life. And I just want to share a few of them with you this morning. And um, I came up, again, this is kind of cheesy, but it's, it's, you know, as a preacher, what you got to do with words. Uh, it's this little phrase, that unmastered time. So remember, it, time surrendered to Christ is mastered time. Unmastered time is generally time that it's stuck U2 has this song, right? Stuck in a moment that you can't get out of. 
And unmastered time is time that's stuck in a moment. It's often a time that's stuck in either the past or um, we're working too far in the front of our head and we're stuck in the future. The time in the past often leads to a sense of anger and that flows out of a desire to control things. I I like uh, this few weeks ago, I was reading the Alcoholics Anonymous big book. And I love the organization Alcoholics Anonymous because um, they're continually calling people and inviting people to surrender their life to God as they understand him. In the big book, it says that the number one destroyer or the offender of the spiritual life, the number one destroyer is resentment. I want to just pause on this for a moment. I'm going to read out of what it says in this book. It says, resentment destroys more alcoholics than anything. It's the number one offender. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. Think about that. Resentment is really being stuck in a moment in the past. Maybe it was something that happened to us. Maybe it was something that we did. Resentment is, ends up fueling uh, all forms of spiritual disease, according to the alcoholic. And there's really only one way to deal with resentment. You've got to root it out like a weed. You've got you to pluck it out. For some of us, uh, unforgiveness is an incredible time killer. Unforgiveness, I I like what it says in the book of Proverbs, that envy rots the bones. Envy, this longing for something that isn't there. I think resentment and envy and unforgiveness all kind of weave together. They flow from the same thing. It's an unwillingness to let go of something in the past. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is there a person or a group or an organization or institution that you struggle with? Recently, somebody called me on this. I think I shared this a while back with with many of you. I was um, very angry. I was talking to somebody and sharing something with them. And the infraction, they said, seems so small, the thing that happened to you. And yet, you were like really angry. (laughs) The thing that happened is small, but your reaction is really big. And she said, what's really going on? What's this about? Julie and I, in our marriage, have a phrase that we learned from someone I don't remember who. And the phrase is, this is really about that. You ever have that? Where you, you react in a way that's very, very strong and, and there's like an anger that builds up and somebody's like, what was that? Like, what did I just touch? It's like there's an iceberg, right? And you see the tip of it, but below the surface is where the 90% of it really exists. Bitterness 
is like that. Unforgiveness will do that to us, friends. The number one waster of time in our life is unforgiveness. I just want to say it. It's the biggest waste of your life. It's the biggest waste of my time. When there are groups and people and organizations and institutions that you hang on to, it's described unforgiveness like a trap, right? It's like a vault, and it's locked on the inside. We keep ourselves in that vault. We keep ourselves wasting away, rotting. This week, many of you probably saw um, there was a, a lot going around about Heather Heyer. And Heather Heyer was a young woman in her early 30s who went uh, out of, I believe, God's call in her life to protest racism, to stand against what, what she perceived as evil. And let's, let's all for a moment uh, just consider what we would do in the face of that kind of evil. What we would do in the face of something like a white supremacist group. I hope each of us would have the courage, like Heather Heyer, to stand, to speak, and say, this does not reflect the call of God. This does not reflect the image bearer of God in every person. This is not consistent with any Christian teaching. And Heather Heyer stood, and she was in the crowd, and she was killed by somebody who was filled with hate. The beauty of her life and of her legacy uh, will be defined in that one action, that one step that she took. But what's more interesting to me was her dad's response. I don't know if you saw this. Her father got up, um, even before he spoke in front of people, a reporter came to visit him at his home. And Mr. Heyer said, I'm going to miss my daughter. I loved her. She was an incredible kid. She was passionate. She would let you know if she disagreed with you. But she did what was right. And I'm going to miss her. And they asked him, are you mad about this? And he said, of course, I'm, I'm hurt. But I forgive the people who did this. I forgive the person who ran over her. He said, if the Lord Jesus could be on a cross and call on God to forgive his persecutor, his murderer, how could I follow him and do any different? He told the world that the God of the universe forgives, and how could he not? He told everybody that he forgave the murderer of his daughter because his God has freed and forgiven him. How could he hang on to bitterness and resentment? How could he harbor anger against this man and at the same time speak a message of truth and hope that the God of creation loved him and created him with purpose? He decided he wasn't going to live any unmastered time. 
Mr. Heyer said, in order to live, master my time, I got to surrender my time to the master. A powerful testimony for us. Friends, this morning, um, I want to give you like a real quick uh, little tool. If you feel like you're stuck in a moment, a time, things continually come up. There's like a sense of, of control and loss that you feel. I'm going to just tell you what, what they do in AA. Um, I practice this, and, and it's really helpful for me. Uh, and that's this. Um, we write our resentments down. We write the person or the organization or the institution or the group We write it down. And then we write, what has been the fruit of my resentment? What has been the fruit of this thing that I'm holding on to? What has the impact been on my life? You know, inevitably, the impact is really, really bad. Right? The impact is never good. It's never like, I made this great decision to pursue this goal and dream of mine that I believe God was calling out of me because I had this resentment built up. The big lie is that we think it gives us power over our enemy. But really, it gives our enemy power over us. Jesus says, only forgiveness will set you free. And so this morning, I want you with that song to just say, I'm not a slave to fear anymore. The fear is that they're not going to get theirs. Amen? Amen. The fear is that this young man who killed Heather Heather Heyer is going to get off and he's not going to pay for his sin. Friends, that's God's job. Let's let him judge. Let's follow our king, the master. Let's follow Jesus who said, let the dead bury their own dead. You come follow me. Unmastered time is stuck. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live stuck. Are you with me? I don't want to be stuck. I also don't want to obsess and be stuck in thinking about a place and time in the future that hasn't happened yet. I don't want to be stuck, worried about something that hasn't yet occurred. This takes practice for me. My tendency is to anticipate, to kind of think up something, and then to worry about it. Anybody else, worriers? Worry is living too far into the future. And this is a discipline, I think. It, it, over and over in my life, I find like anxiety, I'm prone to it. I'm prone to anxiety because I, I think too far into the future. I'm, I'm not present in this moment. I think that's why God gave me kids. Because kids are deeply into this moment. You know who else is? Friends in our life who are hurting. They're not worried about tomorrow. Because it's really hard just getting through today. So when God brings people into your life who are hurting, who seem immature like a kid and they want something now, sometimes I think he's trying to teach us how to be present. That's why it's called the present, right? Nah, cheesy. Proverbs 15, 15 in your Bible says this. The days of the oppressed are wretched. The days of the oppressed are wretched. 
You ever notice how slowly time goes when you're having a bad day? When your heart's jacked up? When you're angry? It's like the day won't stop. On the flip side, notice the rest of that verse. It said the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Mastered time is time radically rooted in the present, in I am, not I was or I will be, but rooted in I am. Now, those of you who are Bible scholars just were like, oh, I see what you did there, pastor. I am is a name of God. That's how he reveals himself in a burning bush to Moses. Moses says, "Uh, the people, when I go to free them from Pharaoh, are going to ask me, who sent them? What should I say? And he says, tell them I am has sent you. Those of us who are learning to master our time, root it, we invest it, we throw everything in to I am. We throw it in to to Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am. I am and I will be and I was. And all of it is wrapped into one. And those of us who are learning to live time, to master it, root it deeply. We invest everything into the I am. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. I would say the cheerful heart is the one who knows its place in the universe, who recognizes that we've been created And only when we've surrendered our life back to our creator, only when we've we've realized that in order to make the most of life, we have to give it to the maker. To master time, we have to turn it back to the master. Only when we do that can we live in this mode of continual feast. We're able to celebrate the present as a gift. I heard a story about a friend, uh, a friend's sister who on her honeymoon, they're Italian, and um, they visited this uh, family that they knew in Italy, and while they were there, they told them about her sister who was going to be married. And the people on this um, vineyard in Italy said, tell them that they need to do their honeymoon here, and we'll take care of everything. And so for 10 days, they hung out with these people in Italy. And the way they described it was that these folks, they would wake up in the morning and they would bring them like a platter. It was, it was not a bed and breakfast or like a hotel. It was just like this family who just wanted this couple to have a great honeymoon. And they brought them cheese and bread. And they brought them uh, fresh fruit from their gardens And they would bring wine out to to celebrate this marriage. And for 10 days, they said this couple just toted on them, just loved them. 10 days, they would bring out the best of what they had. They described it as like this party that just kept going. It was this feast that was continual. The cheerful heart, the one surrendered to God, says today is the day that the Lord has made. 
Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Yesterday was, was this, but today is the day that the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I do believe that our time is um, our most precious resource. And um, like you, I don't want to get to the end of my life and regret that I didn't follow God's plan, that I didn't um, throw myself into his arms, that I, that I didn't pursue the dream and the blueprint that he had for me. And I think it's good, like what it says in Proverbs fourteen twenty-two. It says, don't those who plot evil go astray, but then these words, those who plan what is good, find love and faithfulness. I don't think that living in the present means that we don't plan. I, I don't think this is a call to live um, moment to moment with complete disregard for the future. I think it's like a farmer. Can you imagine a farmer who just said, yep, I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to bring, but I'm just going to wait for my crops without ever having planted anything? Oh, farmers plant because they believe that if they plant corn, corn is going to grow, right? There's a biblical principle. We reap what we sow. And so I, I don't think the call to live connected to I am means we're also not working with God toward bringing about the, his intended future. So this idea that our calendar is a faith document is helpful for me. Our calendar, our day, our time reveals something about our heart. I think uh, for me, there's often an unknown, uncertain thing about the future that God is inviting me to, though it is uncertain, pursue with him anyways. And things may adjust and they may adapt. But there's an invitation into a way of being, into a kind of life. Those who plan what is good, those who plan to walk with the Lord, those who say, God, here is my life, here is the future, and right now, as best as I can, this is what I think you're calling me into. Right now, as, as best as I understand it, with the wisdom of my peers and friends, this is where I believe you're calling me into. This is where I anticipate and where I sense and where I think, this is where I think you're leading me. And who take those steps of faith, who plan what is good, find love and faithfulness. The number one regret of those who are dying is that they didn't have the courage to step in the direction, to step with the Spirit to release and surrender their resentment, their unforgiveness, and live fully into the love and the future of God. To live boldly, to live courageously as people called into God's purpose for them. Not to be the best or the most Moses, but to be Kevin or Alejandro 
or Beatrice or George. To be the person that God has created us to be. In step, in line with his spirit. That's our prayer for you. This week, if you have five minutes, I want to invite you to do two things. It'll be ten minutes. One, just look back at the last week or month or year and say, what, what decisions did I make out of fear? What time was unmastered? This is, I think, a really helpful activity to say, where in my schedule am I continuing to do something because I'm afraid? I want to invite you, this is a good time of the year, it's kind of the beginning of the school year, I want to invite you to think about maybe crossing that thing off your calendar. Just let it go. There's a group of people in your life that continually like drag you down. What would it look like to quit it? What would it look like to quit that and say, no more? Life's too short. I want to live fully into who God's called me to. You know, the uh, word no is a complete sentence, says the writer Anne Lamott. She said no is a complete sentence. Some of us this year may be invited into a life where we say no. No more. Reflect back. Where's God inviting you to just say no? I'm not going to live in that place this year. And as you anticipate the future, as you plan good, as you listen to where the Spirit is inviting you to step, where in your calendar might you say, this is an act and a step of faith? For some of us, I think we probably worry about our budget. Next week, Pastor Scott is going to look at some Proverbs on our um, treasure Some of us, it's looking and saying, this year, where is God inviting me to step with faith? To plan good. That might experience his love and his faithfulness all the more. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, you say in your scripture that we've been created for good works, which you've prepared in advance for us. That in Christ we find freedom from fear, freedom from resentment, that we're no longer slaves to those things. We can release them to you, Lord. You're the, you're the one who's just. You're the one who's good. Lord, this morning I pray for my brothers and my sisters that you would encourage them, continue to stir them, challenge them, bless them as they take steps with your spirit, empowered by you, as they dream dreams and have visions, as they live connected to I am. 
God, that you would make your presence known to them. For any this morning who just feel burdened by their own waywardness, by our own sense of getting lost, Lord, we just give you our sin. We give you our brokenness. Lord, we give you our anger. We give you our resentments. Bring along people in our lives to help us walk through and work through this. Lord, for those of us that have like the stirring of a dream, the stirring of this new thing that you're doing in us, would you give us the the energy and the courage, empower us to follow you in that. Lord, for those of us toward the end of our life, considering all the ways we've seen you at work, help us to be faithful in this present moment to share your story, to share your love, to share about your goodness with those coming behind us. Lord, I bless you for this community, for this church gathered here this morning before you. And we give our lives, surrender our, our hearts again to you this morning. In Jesus' name.